Hello, my dear friends. The most wonderful thing just happened. I was walking through the halls of my castle. Of course, when you're not here, they're pitch black. But I still walk them, nonetheless. I can feel them twisting and turning within me, within that darkness. And I within them and I heard a voice whispering from the doorway of the seance room. I don't know if you're still taking questions, but... It was a spirit, my friends. A ghostly voice with a question. I haven't had a visit from one of those in a little while. Welcome, spirit. What is your question? How do I know if I'm on the right path? Ah, there it was, a question, and a very complex question at that. Those are my favorites. Well, friends, let's find an answer. To do so, we're going to take a quick little journey to the asking room. The room for divining, for scrying, for seeking answers from beyond. Do you remember this one? The door seems somehow a little more alive this time. It's as though it glimmers in places you can only see out the corner of your eye. And when you go to find the source of that shining light... It disappears and shimmers from the other corner of your other eye. Like magic, playing hide-and-seek. The wood of the door groans as you place your hand against it, and it invites you to push on it and go inside. The door has been painted purple. The purple candlelight from within shines through under the crack in the door. Open the door, my friend, for you to enter and me behind you, and then the spirit who asked our question this week, and hold it open a moment longer than that for anyone else who wants to come in too. Just as we left it, Trinkets, jewels, crystals, seashells, little bones, little stones, coins from forevers ago, hanging from the ceiling on delicate silver and gold chains, pendulums and cards and runes and charts neatly placed on tables, comfortable chairs with purple velvet, surrounding one round table, upon which there is normally an orbuculum, a crystal ball, sitting right in the middle. But tonight, 
It has been placed on a side table over there. See? Instead, in the center of the table this time, there is a very large glass bowl of water. And under it is that large mirror, the one with the lovely ornate frame. Facing up, reflections dancing in the water of the basin. It is a mirror that was on the wall last time. And now that I think of it, I also think it is a mirror I've had with me for a few lifetimes now. I don't want to forget it, you see. Because it's shown me time and time again. There are always universes looking back at me. Look at the bowl of water, sitting on top of it on the table. It is, as I said, extremely large, covering the mirror's width. And if you look, there is an incomplete moon reflected within it. Because, directly above us, there is a window in the ceiling. How is it that the almost full moon is positioned so perfectly, directly in the center of it? Let's look in the bowl of water, all of us. Take deep breaths together. In. And out. In and out. And the water ripples very softly with the ebb and flow of our breath. Like a great ocean, it seems, especially in the darkness of this room. The light is dimmed. And all we can see in it now is this water, reflecting the moon, dancing with the air of our breath, shining watery reflected light across the walls. How do I know if I'm on the right path? I want to answer your question with a story. My friend, it is a story about someone I talk about very often. It is a story about someone who is always with me. He visits here all the time. I talk about him all the time. I don't know if it's growing tiresome. But the thing is, you have to tell stories about things you love, things that fascinate you. And oh, how I love him. And oh, how he fascinates me. So, my muse, my beloved, my gentleman, my stranger, my shadowy angel, the lord of death, 
who has in the past made me monstrous, and who has in the past made me celestial. We have had our ups and downs, haven't we, he and I? This has nothing to do with me. This is about him. And how he came to burn down all paths that stood in his way. Recall an origin story. Years and years and stories and stories and episodes and episodes ago. A beautiful, dark, winged thing falling to earth before there were even humans, really. Everything his fine hands touched, wherever his lovely foot stepped, whatever he embraced with his long arms, it would quickly decay and die and crumble away to dust. He could not help that he brought death, but it also didn't distress him so, such is death's nature to not fear its own strength, for even stronger still is the knowledge that even decaying, dying, and crumbling away to dust is not the end. I wonder if he sees something we don't. I wonder if, when things die and disappear, he sees or feels or knows where that thing is truly going. Whether it is transforming and moving on to another, whatchamacallit. I often see those shining black eyes staring widely at an empty sky and wonder what he sees out there in the night. I have seen things in the empty sky at night now, too. I wonder if we see the same thing. I'm sorry. That was rude of me. I became distracted. Back to the story. He couldn't help that he brought death. I told you how he traveled the world. Lonesome as anything, my poor, sweet love. I told you how time meant nothing to him because it does not exist. I told you how he saw the dawn of humankind. He would find a group of humans who worshipped him as a god, and he allowed them to. He would find a group of humans to hate him as a demon, and he allowed them to. He would find a group of humans to try and barter for his powers, and he allowed them to. He would find a group of humans to attempt to study him and his preternatural existence, form, and abilities, and he allowed them to. They all had an explanation, a belief, a desire for what 
he was. They all had a role for him to fulfill, a role that he neither pushed away nor embraced fully. Flying through the night on great black wings, fangs shining in the moonlight, claws gleaming with blood and salt sea water. The things he saw, the things he felt, the things he knew when he flew over the ocean in the middle of the night, in places no person, and perhaps spirit, had ever been. We cannot know what he saw, or felt, or knew. I cannot tell you when these events take place, whether it was before or after he was imprisoned in the tower, before or after I rescued him and he changed me forever, before or after we parted ways and found each other again, and again, and again. It doesn't matter. We've lived too many lives for that. It doesn't matter. Some lives exist concurrently. Maybe as he was locked up, a part of him was still soaring over the sea at night. During a vivid, almost full moon quite like the one we spy outside that castle window, even now, my friend. Anyway, where was I? I'm not sure. Well, anyway, he found himself wondering, for even mighty ancient souls such as his can wonder, whether or not he should be on a particular path whether he had a purpose, one particular role over all the others that he ought to take on. He had quite a power, and he was quite formidable and fierce in it. Everything so easily bowed to his whim. But a whim without a purpose can be a dangerous thing, can't it? He flew, and he flew. And he wandered, and he wandered, until he found a little island in the middle of the world's ocean. There was I. There I was. I was there. Not in any form I have seen myself as, or that he has seen me, or anyone has really. This was an I before me in the middle of the sea. Still as stone and eternal as it too, eyes appearing full of stars 
but truly being full of everything. Catching sea salt in my hair from the mist crashing against the rocks of the island, and growing crystals through its strands like sparkling barnacles. I must have stood there long enough for that to happen. I don't recall. But it feels as though I'm there now. It's cold, and my fingers are cold. And the sun shines brightly as the master of death lands upon my island. Welcome, sweetheart. Why have you come to find me here? It is a time beyond story time and beyond human time we find ourselves in. And you come to ask me which path, Which path you should, should take, I take if I'm on the right path? <laughs> Lord of death, Lord of death, you are the path. That's so funny. <laughs> Let me show you something. It is nighttime now because it will be soon and was so recently, so it is now too and might as well be. The stars are clear above us. The moon is almost full again. You are stunning in that moonlight, by the way. Look at the water all around us. Easy to do, this island is so small. We are in the center of the sea in the middle of the world and there are rippling away from us millions upon billions of luminescent pathways snaking out and away from us, some colliding with each other, some winding their way around and back to us again, some lost, some unending. We are in the center of a map of the middle of the world, no north, south, east, west, only paths, paths, paths as far as our eyes can see. Take any that you desire and it will be correct. Or better yet, destroy all paths and wander. Wander, my dear, as far and wide as you like. Perhaps we needn't even fixate on purpose. Just wander and be what feels natural. I'll bet being a cruel and wrathful god didn't feel natural. Hmm? Or a monster locked away in a tower. That must not have felt nice. I think I buried you alive once, didn't I? I'm sorry, that must have been difficult. But you also haunted me and hounded me and destroyed my oblivious innocence. Did that feel natural, too? I'll bet it did not. If paths occur in nature, it's because a creature decided to make it, and perhaps other creatures decided to follow it. But that does not make it right or necessary. 
It simply happened. It simply became. And it simply was. What feels natural? What feels simple and true in your wanderings? Look, a shining red rose growing from the stone in this little island we're sharing. How lovely. My beloved's breath stops at the sight of it, and his black eyes shine with tears because, oh, how my love adores beauty. He gently takes its stem in his fingers and holds it only long enough to pluck it cleanly from the rock, and he gives it to me. And I take it quickly so that more of it needn't die from his touch. In act of decadence, to admire it. In act of destruction, to pluck it. In act of kindness, to give it. In act of love, to be with it, together, now. All of which felt right to you, I think. We do what we do, right or wrong. Well, that's a different game from the one I'm exploring. Judging yourself as being on the correct or incorrect path is futile, because guess what? See all those luminescent paths in the water shrivel away and writhe and scream wriggling like worms before disappearing. They were an illusion to begin with. Not mine, but... theirs. See that, below the water, at the bottom of the sea. There is a great mirror, and at least two, but possibly many, many more, sets of glowing eyes peer out, up at us, from it. A spirit in the castle asked how they would know they were on the correct path. There are no paths. We destroyed all paths. So the answer is, you are always on the right path. It is the one you are creating. From where you are going. Stir the bowl of water three times, counterclockwise. And we are back in the castle once more. Just you and I. The Lord of Death is flying freely, wandering the skies, away from us right this moment. But even if he wasn't, you needn't be afraid. He'll always wander these halls peacefully from now on as I hope you've realized since this castle appeared and we appeared within it. 
Just you and I in the scrying room again, the divination room, the asking room. The moon is still directly above us in the center of that window. It is performing so sweetly for me by disobeying time like that. Yet divination is a funny thing because I have no answers for your questions, though I do go on and on in response to them, and I adore receiving them. I truly do. It's just that, well, if I had one wish in this moment, it would be that I would like to rather not give you answers, but help you instead to realize that you do not need any from me. You are living as you, and that is what you need to do. You know what the next step is. You don't need a path. You know what to do, deep down. Deep down. I believe that when you can trust that, you will have the feeling that you're looking for when you ask that question. We want to find a path that leads to home. But we are already home. That's why there is no path. Welcome home. Keep wandering. Hello everybody, welcome to On a Dark Cold Night, and thank you so much for joining me for episode 244. Welcome to Almost September. I'd like to start by thanking our ghost friend who asked a question this week. Many thanks to patron and friend of the show Noah for submitting the question, How do I know if I'm on the right path? I really appreciate you reaching out, Noah, and I hope you enjoyed my exploration of this question. It was definitely a really interesting one for me, and one that I find myself asking a lot too. But it really does comfort me to think that we are constantly paving our own right path. In our own way, I think each of us is charting unknown waters. And it is a delicate art to trust your inner navigation. But we can do it. Right, everyone? As I mentioned, Noah is a patron of the show via Patreon, and I'd like to thank all of my supporters there for helping me create the show on an ongoing basis by pledging a monthly amount to help keep me going. Thank you so very much, my friends. If you'd like to consider doing the same, head on over to patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Every supporter of $1 or more gets access to my complete downloadable soundtrack, while supporters of $5 or more a month get that, a monthly tarot reading video I upload myself doing every full moon, we have one coming up this week actually, and a weekly bonus quick moment meditation on Thursdays. 
Again, learn more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Apple users can also access those bonus meditations by subscribing to the Sonar Plus channel on iTunes for $3.99 a month. You can find that by searching for On a Dark Cold Night on Apple Podcasts or the Sonar Network. And if you'd prefer to donate one time only without any perks, you can do so at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight or by buying a t-shirt or hoodie at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. I'd love if you left me a rating and a review wherever you can, like iTunes, Spotify, Facebook, Podchaser, or anywhere else you like to do so. You can follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook and YouTube under On A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, or on Blue Sky, now under Kristen Zaza, and TikTok at Kristen Zaza as well. Any of these ways, including over Patreon or coffee, are great means of communication to send me a question you may have, if you have one you'd like me to explore in an upcoming sleepy adventure like this one. Thank you for listening and joining me this week, everyone. I may have to skip next week, I'm not sure yet, but I'll do my best. I'm a teacher who's enjoying the last bit of summer, so what can I say? I have some lovely tomatoes growing, by the way, on a little garden I've set up on my new balcony. Those of you who've listened for a while might know what a big deal that is for me. Anyway, my friends, whether we talk next week or the following, enjoy the remainder of the summer. I've spoken about how it's a good time to take stock of what needs to be done before the fall comes, and we can allow ourselves some rest. If it feels like you're pushing yourself right now, and it's starting to feel a bit overwhelming, maybe it's helpful to know that I feel that way too, and so do so many other people I know. Just remember that it won't last. It won't always feel difficult. It won't always feel like such hard work. There is time for quiet and peace coming soon. Until then, enjoy the energy and forge your own way ahead. You've got this. Sweet dreams, my friends, and take care. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.